Good morning, everyone. I'm so pumped to bring to you part two of our new series called The Power of One. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But before we do, I want to pray. Let's pray right now. Just grab hands with people in your home or wherever you're at watching this, viewing this today. Father, we just thank you right now for your sweet anointing that breaks the yoke of the enemy off our life, breaks disease and poverty and fear and addiction off of our life. We just give you glory as we come into this beautiful season. Just three weeks from now, we'll be celebrating Easter and celebrating your beautiful resurrection. We just give you praise that you came, that you loved, that you served, and that you want us for you and for your glory. So Lord, speak through your servant today. Let it not be a man that is heard, but let it be your heart and your spirit, and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, you know, God is so ready for you and I to get ready. That's right. God is so ready for you and I to get ready or to be ready for what he has in store for us. You know, this series, The Power of One, it's all about really you and I grasping the authority and the power that God has given us to bring at least one to Christ during this Easter season. And really, you know, when you think about it, Jesus came to win the whole world, but he really done it one person at a time. And my focus throughout the next couple of weeks, uh, the message I bring to you is really, it's really about stirring you up, man, just getting you uncomfortable with what makes you comfortable, to make abnormal what is normal to you, to realize that you have this amazing power to treasure the Holy Spirit of a living God living inside you right now, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself or on your own, and to give you influence that most people would give millions, if not billions of dollars to have. And that influence, believe me, when you get to heaven, it won't be, do you have a billion dollars in the, have you won a billion dollars in the stock market or were you a, a famous artist or singer or performer or even preacher for that matter? Winning one soul will be worth more than $1 billion or $10 billion that you can earn on this planet. But see, we don't always see it that way because we're focused on everyday life and everyday living. And when we think about it, I want to take you to a scripture that is uh, really a series I preached years ago called uh, uh, talking about being eating with sinners. And and it really stirred our church up. It's probably 10 years ago. But I want to begin with this particular passage with Zacchaeus. And it really gives you a poignant idea and understanding of Christ's love for us and his power that, that he displayed for us and how he didn't care what everyone else thought. He only cared what the Heavenly Father thought. And he was totally focused and immersed on pleasing his daddy. So let's look at this. In Luke 19, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name, Zacche name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and very wealthy. Now, during that time, when you were a tax collector, they were collecting taxes from the Jewish people for the Roman government. But the Roman government also allowed them to tax ever how much they wanted on top of that. That's how they made their money. And it was so bad that most tax collectors, especially Zacchaeus, was not even allowed to go worship in the temple with their fellow Jews. Actually, Zacchaeus was kind of like 
a mafia leader in that area at that time. He was the one throwing the big parties. He's the one that had all the bling. He was that wealthy guy that everybody wanted what he wanted, but they didn't want to be who he had become. So this is the guy we're talking about. And it says he was a chief, the main guy, right? A chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was so short and he could not see over the crowd, so he ran up a tree, ran ahead of everybody, the crowd climbed up in a tree, a sycamore fig tree, to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Now, how did he know it was Zacchaeus, right? He had a, a word of knowledge that was revealed to him from his heavenly father, the name of the man in the tree, and probably opened up his heart and his mind that he was ready to be touched by God. You see, you have such discernment that you're not even aware of, I'm sure, just as I am have as well. I, there's things that God has done for you, treasures in you. There's a power, the power of reaching out to that one person to change their destiny, and then that person could change the destiny of hundreds, thousands, or maybe even millions of people. And all of that glory will also be yours when you go to heaven, right? God will not forget it. And it says, uh, he said, Zacchaeus, and when Jesus, he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Wow, that raised some religious eyebrows, right? <clears throat> so he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. And he was gone <clears throat> to be, and he was gone to be the guest of a sinner. Think about that. Jesus didn't really care what religious people thought. He didn't really, really care what other people thought. Only what his heavenly father was speaking to him is what he was going to do and what he was going to obey. He put his reputation on the line daily because of the power of one, just like he did with the demoniac at Gadara, right? Wherever he was, or like when he healed the leper, when he asked him if it'd be his will, in Matthew's gospel, wherever it was, he was willing to speak, touch, or do whatever it took to release the power of one inside him from the heavenly Father to reach that one for God. And now it says, and when he came down at once, uh, he became a guest there, verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, this is at the dinner, actually, whenever he was having the celebration at his house, he stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now think about this. I think it was only like a, a, two, a third is what they were supposed to repay for anything taken unlawfully or whatever. He gave half of his wealth plus paid four times what it was for anyone that felt they were cheated or wronged by him financially. Now, Jesus didn't come for his sake. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't come for his own sake, right? He came for the sake of hurting and lost people. And the reality is it's really easy to get caught up in our own lives and what's going on in our day-to-day -day time, especially with all the COVID stuff and all the violence that's been going on in our nation, all the political stuff and what's going on in that. But it's so easy to get caught up in what's going on around us and really miss the main focus and purpose of why we are here in the first place. And we lose perspective as Christians. 
So uh, as we look at this and forget about our assignment, sometimes uh, some of the people who were watching Jesus had a conversation, and the key is they had forgot what Jesus' mission was. His own disciples with him sometimes would get off track with the mission that they were sinners as well. They were messed up fishermen and so on as well. And, and God met them, and Jesus reached out to them, and he loved them just as they were, not as he or anyone else thought they should be. And they were muttering. It wasn't just people in the community and the religious folk. Even his own disciples were distraught and muttering because Jesus was going to eat with this horrendous thief, this man, this sinner. But see, what I want you to realize is they had, they had forgotten the reason that Jesus came in the first place. And his mission was release the power of God to win one person at a time. And what that meant was he had to get that ingrained in his disciples. He had to get that ingrained in the people that he influenced. And that's how the gospel spread even unto this day. Now, this is pretty crazy. Our earth's population right now is about 7.5 billion people. Now, out of that, there are about 2.1 billion people who claim to be Christians. And we know how that can be, right? But that's, I mean, claim to be Christians. That leaves an estimated of 5.4 billion people. Five, get this, 0.4 billion people today that if they took their last breath, they'd be spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. I mean, when we begin to think about that, when we begin to think about the power that God gave you and I, the power to win one that's right in front of us, and it's so easy to get off of that assignment, guys, and especially coming into this beautiful season, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the price that he paid, that he came for our sake, not his own, should stir us and recalibrate, so we can recalibrate who we are in Christ and the power he's given us to win one. Now, as we look at this and we begin to zero in and we say, okay, wow, 7.5 7 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. Well, let's just zero this in for just a second. Let's zero it into our mission field in this Lexington area alone, the metropolitan area of Lexington right now. The 2010 census says <clears throat> it calculated 500,000, right around 500,000 people living in the metropolitan area. And as we look at that in the Lexington metropolitan area, now, out of that, it says two, and out of this in 2010 census, I don't think they could put it in the last one, it even had, are you affiliated with a church? Do you go to church regularly? And so on. So there was uh, 250,000 people that stated that they're disconnected from church or don't know Jesus. 250,000. Out of the 250,000, about 175,000 have never even been invited to church. Seven out of 10 people you look at throughout your community have not even been invited to church, according to the 2010 census. Now, that tells me maybe we're not focused on what we should be focused on. Now, here's this is cool. If you lined up those 250,000 people, you lined them up, and if you lined them up uh, in an in a area which would stretch 47 miles. If you just stretched, laid those people down and stretched them and pointed them in one direction, 
those, those people, 250,000 people would stretch instead of 47 miles. Now, when we think about that, it's pretty cool, but here's some other stats that will blow you away. If you lined them up facing the east, it would the people, those people would reach all the way to Natural Bridge. Think about that, Natural Bridge from Lexington. If you lined them up north, it would, they would reach all the way to Dry Ridge. And if you lined them up to the south, they would reach all the way down to the Renfro Valley uh, area, that area of Kentucky, which is the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. And if you lined them up west, look at this, they would reach all the way to my old Kentucky home park in Bardstown, Kentucky. And then finally, if you uh, wrap those people, stretch them around uh, New Circle Road, which is right around 19 miles, a little over 19 miles, there would be enough people to go around the New Circle Road, head to toe, head to toe, almost two and a half times. I mean, think about the impact you, cannot, you and I can have. We call it the 47-mile impact. And that's what I want you to get on your mind. That's what I want you to get in your heart is within 47 miles of us, just think of the power and the opportunity that 7 out of 10 people you see driving around New Circle, driving to Louisville, driving towards Cincinnati or Eastern Kentucky, 7 out of 10 people not only don't know Christ, but have never been invited to church. I mean, that's mind-boggling. You say, yeah, but I, most people I know go to church because you go to church. <laughs> but you got to think about the people that don't do what you do. They don't live the way you live. They don't go where you go. They're not focused on what you're focused on. And as we think about that and the power of one, and we, and we come into Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, and verses 36 and 37, this is interesting. It says, when, when he saw, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they, because they were help, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Man, think about that. The compassion of Christ, when he looked upon the crowds, we know of multiple times, you know, 3,000 men and their families, 5,000 men and their families, and these huge crowds, he saw that they were harassed and helpless. Harassed not just by the Roman government or religious people, but harassed also by the satanic power of unbelief and and addiction, and poverty, and all those things, and hatred, and racism, he saw them being harassed by these spirits, and it broke his heart. I mean, you think about the crowds you see when you just watch, watch a game, UK football game, or basketball game, or maybe you attend that game, and, and you see all the people in the crowd, and you think about all the things they're harassed with. They're harassed with bitterness. They're harassed by unforgiveness. They're harassed by not feeling loved, not feeling fulfilled, they're harassed by things that are broken in their life, things that are missing in their life. When Jesus looked over these huge crowds, that's what he saw. But what's so cool, even when he looked up at a tree and saw a little short guy named Zacchaeus, he saw that there is a man that is broken and harassed. I want you to realize today that Jesus is here to set everyone that's harassed, harassed by the enemy, by culture, by society, and even by religion. He's here to set us all free. And yes, you son of God. Yes, you, daughter of God, have the power of one. You have the power of the one, the Holy Spirit living into you to reach out and set others free of who are being harassed just as you have been yourself. Then verse 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And, And he said, ask of the Lord 
of the ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Think about that. Think of all the people standing and waiting in their homes, waiting at work, driving by us every day, walking along the streets that are just waiting for something to change in their life. They're waiting for an impact. You, you say, well, they just need Jesus. Yeah, but if you have Jesus, you understand that. But, you know, there, there's an old story of an old famous preacher, uh, preacher buddy, an old holiness preacher. And back in the old camp meeting days, you know, the preachers would get up behind the guy that was speaking, and, and he, oh, buddy, he stuttered all the time when he talked, but man, when he preached, he was flamboyant, and he'd wear, he's a big, tall gentleman with black hair, and he'd wear these big, beautiful white suits, and he would just, a great orator, and command the audience, and multitudes would get saved every time he preached, and he's preaching this huge theater, and it's this huge camp meeting, and, and, and all of a sudden, he's preaching in front of the crowd, prancing back and forth, all of a sudden, this guy who claimed to be an atheist stood up and started cursing Buddy and the preachers, and he had this little basket of tomatoes, and he just started whizzing tomatoes. And every time he'd hit Buddy, he just kept on preaching. He kept on preaching. For long, he hit him on his clothes and his face, and he was red. But what was funny, he was hitting all these other people behind Buddy and these other pastors. And man, they were murmuring, and he could hear them cursing under their breaths and saying foul, vain things. And when he got in the back, these men, and many people got saved anyway, regardless. And when it got in the back in the preacher's lounge, we would call it, they, they said, Pastor Buddy, said, what, Brother Buddy, how, how could you just keep preaching? And, and how could you just keep smiling and laughing when that man is throwing those things and embarrassing all of us? Look, it ruined our clothes. And people were laughing in the audience. And Pastor Buddy said, but, 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 but many were saved. And they said, yes, they were saved. And he said, they said, but we don't understand and he said, it's, it's like this. He said, it's like this. He said, when, whenever, whenever the pressure comes, but, but, what, 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 what's in you comes out. And, and, and what was in me was a, a, a praise and people got saved. But, but what was in you was just a, a cuss. <laughs> I want to ask you, when you're walking and living in the power of one, when the pressure hits you, when you're harassed by Satan, when those you love and those you know and maybe you don't even know, harassed, what comes up out of you? Is it a praise or is it a cuss? You, for you city folks, that's a curse word. But Eastern Kentucky language, that's a cuss, right? And so what's so amazing, I want you to understand the power of one. You and I have it, and we are the ones that determine how we use this beautiful gift that God gave us because Jesus is saying the harvest field is plenteous. It's ready. It's ripe. So as we think about that, and we think about all the people that are waiting, it could be your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your friend, your coworker, your schoolmate, and they're just waiting for someone to release the power of one into their life. I mean, when, when you wake up every day, do you think about the 47 miles, the 47 miles of people stacked one after another, laid down one after another, that it will go 47 miles just in our area alone. I mean, I don't think about them, right? I may think about, man, I need to clean my truck or put gas in it, or I may need to go to the grocery store or whatever. I got to get to work. And so I'm not being speaking to you through condemnation. I just condemnation. I just want you to realize I'm recalibrating myself. I want to be our church to be the greatest soul-winning church that anyone's ever seen or recognized or been around. I want our, our legacy. That's why we're Bethel Harvest Church, right? We're a church that 
are of difference makers, making a difference. That's why we feed, you know, hundred over several hundred thousand pounds of food each year. That's why we do the things we do. But see, here's the key, guys. It's not just what the church does, because you and I are the church. It's what do you and I do? Because yeah, we win hundreds of people every year to the Lord here, and that's cool. But just think about how many we could win if all those other hundreds of people were focused in their 47-mile range, reaching and releasing the power of one. You see, it's really against our human nature to begin to see these things that are unseen. When we think about it, uh, you know, Jesus, we need to begin to see what Jesus saw and look through the eyes that he looked through. In John 4, verses 31 through 35, it says this. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Remember when he was at the the well uh, and the Samaritan lady came up? And before they came up, the disciples, they'd been ministering. And they said, let's go on into the city and eat and get some food and some lunch. He said, no, I'm fine. And they said, but this is Samaria, you know, kind of the rough part of town. And he was by the Samaritan well. He said, you go on, I'll be fine. So they went away. Well, while they were away, remember the lady came and she'd been a prostitute and she'd been married five times and the man she was with wasn't her husband and he ministered to her and loved on her. She got so excited. He only told her a few things about her life. She went back into the city and told all these people, come and see a man that told me everything about my life. And it's pretty crazy. So she received transformation one-on-one with Jesus. And while she's gone, before she gets back with a whole multitude, they saw that what Jesus had done, he had told them what he'd done. And they said, but master, and they, what's going on? I'll read it to you. It said, meanwhile, now they come back. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him when they came back, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not, that you know nothing about. And then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? They, could, they weren't even thinking, not only seeing what Jesus saw, they, they couldn't even think in the realm of what might have happened or might have taken place. And then they said that, and then it says in verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have something? Don't you you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Talking about the natural harvest of crops and so on. He said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for harvest. You see, then what happened, and they didn't realize it, when this lady gave her life to Christ, she went into the city, and remember I said, she said, come see a man that told me all about myself. The whole city in Samaria came out and gave their life to Christ. Just think about that. The power of one, one time, missing a meal, missing a lunch, stayed in an uncomfortable place, in an uncomfortable situation, reaching out to someone very different than him, he won the one lady, and she won her entire city to God. Think about the power of that. And I believe she began to see more than what these disciples said. They couldn't miss a lunch. They were too busy, you know, listening to the, the hunger pains that they had, like the Snickers commercials, right? And they, they were listening to the hunger pains they had instead of seeing what Jesus saw. He saw the, how, the, the harvest. He said, look, guys, open your eyes. He said, open your eyes. You see, there's never a lack of people, even within our 47-mile range here, people, there's never a lack of opportunities for us to win someone to Christ. You know, as we think about it, we want to see what Jesus sees. 
There's three things that we must get right. There's three things while we're on this planet. There's three things as we prepare for Easter. There's three things as we live our life every day until we meet him face to face. And that is it. Number one, we must have the right view of people. We must have the right view of people. Demonstrate, Jesus demonstrated uh, a, right, a right view of people when he wept over the city of Jerusalem. God didn't put us on this planet to judge people. He said in 2 Corinthians, judge yourself so you be not judged that day, Paul did. We got to judge ourselves to make sure what we're not that we're perfect and we never sin because you will sin and you're not perfect. I know it's hard to believe, but you're not. Believe me. But what are we here to do? We're here to love people as they are, not as we think they should be. We're here to grace people. We're here to be concerned. We're here to pray for them. We're here to encourage them. We're here to testify about what God's done in our lives and maybe change the story of their very own. You see, that's what this church is all about. Bethel is all about. We're about loving people as they are. We're about people belonging, right? To be loved as they are, and honestly, we think they should be. It's about people believing in Jesus and his word. It's about people becoming, right? What? Becoming who God designed them to be. It's about people going out, building the kingdom, making a difference wherever we go, every day, in every way. And that's really what the 47-mile thing is about, right? It's just to give you an illustration of the potential that lies around us. You don't have to be called to China or to Russia or to New York, for that matter, to, to do mission work. Your neighbor, your friends, people riding the bus with you, people, you know, working with you, they're all around you. People you don't even know, they need Jesus, and you're their answer. They need the power of one believer to intervene in their life and their circumstances. So we got to have what? The right view of people. What, what's the second thing that we must get right? We must have the right view of the problem. The right view of the problem. In other words, the problem is not the people. The problem is not the broken, hurt people that are on their way tragically to hell if something doesn't happen and, and to change their life and to change the life of their family and for generations potentially. No, that, the, the, what we got to do is get the right view of ourselves and see them through the eyes of Jesus. To see them with unconditional love, to accept them as they are, to, to be there for them and to, to give them opportunity to receive the power that we receive from the one Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. You see, we need to understand that as a church. We need to understand that not just as Bethel, but as the body of Christ as a whole. You see, guys, Bethel's, we're not in competition with the church up the road or the church across the town. We're not in competition with ball games and sporting events. We're not in competition with the lake and people going to the lake. No, no, no. Our competition is hell. That's right. We're in a fight to keep people from going to hell. Our competition is hell. Get your mind off of what you have and you don't have. Get your mind off of how big this church is or how big that church is or this one has these bells and this one has these whistles or, or you know, or, you know, is it the right kind of worship? Is it the right kind of small groups? Get your mind off that stuff. That stuff doesn't mean anything to God. All that means to God is keep people from going to hell. Bring his children home. Bring his sheep back in to his fold. Man, when we think about that, then we do what? Then we must have what? The right solution. The right solution. And that that solution isn't uh, Jesus being a better Savior. 
That solution is you and I opening our eyes and bringing in the harvest. Jesus said that he finished the work. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Now it's up to you and I to see what Jesus saw. It's up to you and I to do what Jesus did. It's up to you and I to be who Jesus was so that we can do not only the works he did, he said in John 14, but even greater works than these will you do. Man, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? That's a pretty tall order. That's the power of one. That's the power living inside you that hasn't been tapped into fully yet. And then finally, let me read a couple verses in Luke 15, and we'll pray. We have a little drink here. <clears throat> Excuse me, Luke 15, verse 3. says, Then Jesus told them a par- this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts, in, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep, because that's their economy, right? That's their livelihood. That's their source of living. Look what Jesus did. He did four things. Number one, he left, right? It's time to leave your comfort zone. It's time to step out and to move out of what's normal to you and get focused on who can I bring to Christ? Who can I bring to church to give their life to Christ? Who can I witness to that they can get saved? especially going into this time of Easter. The second thing is he searched. You know, when we leave our comfort zone, we got to be looking. we got to be searching, right? If we want to see what Jesus sees, we got to look beyond, oh, that's a weird hairstyle, or they're not my type of person. No, we got to search for the heart like Zacchaeus in a tree that's waiting and ready and ripe to be harvested. The third thing is we got to keep searching until what we find, right? we we got to find those people that God has brought in our path in our 47-mile range, right, in that range of people, whether it's north, south, east, or west, that you're the only answer they have. Then finally, he said this, celebrate. He said, just like the parable, Jesus celebrated every time someone came to him. He might be like Pastor Mark and go, yes, I don't know, but he celebrated. I do know that, and I want you to realize that it's time to celebrate. We're not going to have anything to celebrate that we just got, you know, a cool uh, egg hunt or great pictures of the kids or great family photos or, you know, nice outfits or whatever for Easter. No, the only time we really can celebrate is when we release the power of one in our life to invite someone to church, to win someone to Christ, or to help others lead people to Christ. That's truly the greatest power we have. That's the power of doing what? Second Corinthians 4.18 says, that's the power of seeing the unseen. So my goal today is, it's not, uh, you know, how can we get extra cars and extra houses and all that. No, you and I were created for far more than that. We were created for so, so much more. And what we've done, we, you'll see in the comments, we, we put some tools out for you that, that can help you uh, uh, join in with us to bring in the harvest. And I can promise you, I'm going to be firing you up over the next couple of weeks getting ready for Easter, and we are going to see at least 100 people on this property come to Christ. I'm believing it, and even more than that online. And we want to give you an opportunity, whether you feel comfortable coming to church or not, that you can still use the power of one digitally to bring people to watch with you or, or to come to church yourselves. But here's what we'd like to do. As we prepare for Easter, our focus on a church is what? To invite and to promote 
to invite and promote Easter with yard signs. So they'll tell you, you know, how you can get those. You can swing by the church and pick them up. They'll have that in the comments for you, and you can pick up a sign. That'd be a great way to just tell the story. And then the other thing is, if you're able to be in person, make sure you come. And then in the comments, there's a link of, uh, we have an Easter invite bundle. I don't want to get into all the details, but how you can download, and it will include a lot of cool things. But the main thing is we really want you to, to get a list together. We call it a checklist, right? Uh, uh, and, and really what it takes to invite five people to church. Think about that. Try to invite people you've never met. You, you know, give a waiter a 20 or 50 or $100 tip, a server, whatever. Invite them to church, man. The statistics, the statistics are crazy. It's like 80-plus percent of the people you invite will come to church and let them know you'll be there. So we want to really encourage you to just make this the greatest Easter we've ever had. I think the greatest attack that in our lifetime has happened with this whole COVID deal, and I believe it's time to turn it back on the devil and to show him who's boss. Show him that greater is he who is in me and who is in you than he who is in this world. It's time for you and I to reach the power release the power to break the harassment off of hurting people's lives. Worried about, you know, suicide is up over 500% with all the isolation, addiction and overdoses are like out the roof over 300% throughout this time of COVID. Not to mention people have just died of brokenheartedness and loneliness and people who have gone deeper into depression or their illnesses have gotten greater because they haven't been able to get the medical attention they need. People living in fear anxiousness and anxiety they're being harassed but you have the power that's right you not just a preacher not just the church staff or, or whatever no you have the power to save the lost that's what jesus said you have the power to heal the sick you have the power to set people free that's what the great commission says when you give your life to christ and you're baptized what you get your prayer language. You can raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. You can. You can. You are the one with the power. God put you in this time. God put you in this dispensation. Don't go to heaven and tell God, you know, I didn't have any opportunities to win someone to Christ. So what about that crazy Dalton preacher over there? Didn't, didn't he have this whole packet for you? Oh, and by the way, we're even going to give a $250 visa, have a $250 visa drawing for, some, for, for whoever when they submit their checklist and enter it in, and we're going to have it out here in the foyer, but you can do it online as well. We just want to bless people. We'll do what, we'll do what, I'll stand on my head and spin around if that'll help bring someone to Christ. How about you? What will you do? What will you, how will you stretch? How, how will you get out of your, your comfort zone and get a little uncomfortable? How will you become a little abnormal instead of always trying to stay normal? How will you kind of color outside the lines instead of this little life you've been living? I want you to man up. I want you to woman up. I want you to get stirred up because the power of one is in you. Jesus said, I can't even give a drink of water without you. I, I can't even feed the hungry or clothed or help the widows without you. I need your hands. I need your eyes. I need your voice. I need your body because my treasure is in you. And the harvest field is plenteous. It's ripe. It's ready. How about you? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus right now? Maybe you're one of those I've been talking about and you realize, man, you're far away from Christ or maybe you've never known him. I want to ask you right now to pray this prayer with me to come to Christ. As soon as we pray this prayer, then I'm going to pray a prayer over everyone that wants to release the anointing on your life.
to win at least one person to Christ this Easter. You get them to church, we'll win them. You just get them here, man. Invite them. Drive them, bring them, pick them up, whatever you got to do. Pay their Uber bill, their Lyft bill. Get them here, and, and we'll win them. Let's pray right now. So if you want to come to Christ, simply is believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I'm forgive you of your sins, whatever. Yeah, he'll forgive them. The main thing is coming to him. That's what the key is. So let's pray. Father, say this with me. Father, right now, I repent of my sin, and I give them to you, Lord. I ask you now, Jesus, to come live in my heart. I know that you rose from the dead. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father, and your blood washes away my sin. I know that I am saved by your grace through faith. I accept your grace now by faith, and I receive salvation in Jesus' name. Wow, that wasn't that hard. That's awesome. That's so cool. So you are a child of God. You're a son or daughter of God. You got royalty in you. You got a kingly nature now. So we want you to, if you receive Christ, just type yes in the comments. We have someone to get a hold of you. We want to give you the tools. We want to be in a relationship with you all the way to heaven. But more importantly than that, we want you to take someone with you. Man. So if you're ready for the challenge, man, if you're ready for the challenge of the power of one, you're ready to like change and make a difference on that 47 mile long stretch of people that don't know Christ, and seven out of 10 of them have never been invited to church. We have no excuses, guys. But I want to pray right now for an anointing on you to bring in the harvest. Are you ready? You ready to pray? Father, I just thank you for all my friends right now and all of our members and our loved ones. We just pray right now, Lord, we, I release an anointing on their life, on their mind, on their vision, what they see, on their mind, what they think and hear, and their hands, and how they can reach the unreached and touch those that haven't been touched and get them to church, or maybe even better yet, win them right there on the spot. Anoint them, God. I know you've equipped them, equipped them, and I know they're anointed. Now, God, stir up their faith. Stir up their faith right now that they take this challenge, the power of one, that they, man, invite more, at least five or more people to Easter service, that they come themselves or watch digitally. And main thing is, God, that they just brag on you celebrate you to the point that people just want you so badly. So we give you praise as you protect us, as you guide us, as you grow us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's so cool. Again, check out all the comments in the comments, and there's a lot of cool things we have for you. We've got the yard signs. We've got invites. We've got all kinds of stuff. And we just want to equip you, man, because this is your time to release the power of one. See you next week.